Welcome to the BrianMadden.com Citrix Synergy slash Cloud Security Megacon 2017 conference podcast that we are uh, recording in Gabe's hotel room instead of live on the Citrix Synergy show floor. Uh, this is Gabe Knuth, and we also have Jack Madden. Hey, this is Jack Madden, and yeah, so it is it is Thursday. We just got done with our last day on the show floor. And a lot of you were probably expecting us to do a podcast on Tuesday afternoon or something after the uh, the keynotes. And uh, just to clarify, so they, they did their two main keynotes on Tuesday. It was the Tuesday morning, quote, vision keynote, unquote, and the Tuesday afternoon tech keynote. And that's when we would have done a podcast, but not this time. Well, yeah, there was a couple of reasons. One is because that other podcast was, or, I'm sorry, that other uh, that other keynote, the technology keynote, started at 1.30 and ended at about 3.30. So by the time we got done, we didn't have a whole lot of time left to put all this together. And secondly, we talked about it. We tried. And we're like, you know what? I don't think there's a heck of a lot for us to talk about right now. So we should just experience the rest of the show and then wrap it up in this way. So, we, so we're choosing to do it right now. Um, the show floor, the show expo wrapped up about an hour and a half ago. And so we walked the mile back to our hotel and uh, now we're putting this together. And everything is fresh in our mind. Yeah. And so first let's, let's go back to the keynote because we, uh, okay, so the, the vision keynote, we expected, sure, it's gonna be vision-y and there might not be too much hard tech in it. But if you were watching our live blogs, Probably the the first like five hundred words and half hour worth of blogs were just. Did we only did we have five hundred words total for the first for the vision keynote? Well, we did, except it was talking about mostly stuff other than the keynote. I mean, our our opening was I don't think it would have passed the Taft test, as in. What is the Taft test? Uh, so the so this is a a test to determine take your website and replace all the pictures with images of Howard Taft. Okay. And if if nothing is lost from the experience, then just like take all the images out. It's 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 meant as a dig as the way that uh, people put in generic stock photos that are meaningless. That is fantastic. I haven't heard that before. And so the the maybe it's not quite the best comparison, but the whole first half hour of this keynote was, hey, the cloud is great, AI is great. Uh, Augmented reality is great, and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> we know. Yeah. Those are all cool. That's not what you do. Um, and, and in fact, so Citrix had two celebrity speakers here this year. They had Malcolm Gladwell and Colin Powell. And Malcolm Gladwell was coming in to speak on AI, and we did not go see this. I, I talked to a few people that went in, um, and the, the reviews were mixed. Uh, but apparently, uh, the reviews were mixed for Malcolm Gladwell, um, because I'm not sure that Malcolm Gladwell is the guy you seek for information on AI. You know, nice guy, great writer, but uh, not the AI expert that you would, <laughs> I think, want to seek out. Um, Colin Powell, people like that him a lot, uh, which is surprising. 80 years old. Uh, oh, wow. I know, right? Because um, the picture of Colin Powell in your mind is from the news in the 90s. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so he uh, good reviews there. He was talking about more about leadership and stuff, but as it related to security, and it's very clear from the vision keynote uh, that Citrix wants to be a cloud and security company now, which is I, I, mean, I don't even think the word the word virtualization, let alone Zen Desktop and Zen App, were barely mentioned in this first 
Vision keynote. It would be interesting to go back and see. You know, your, your focus is kind of diverted as you're doing this live blog. The focus is diverted from writing to listening and writing and listening. And so when you're writing, you're not always listening. But I would bet you that if we went back and counted the number of times they said Zen app, Zen desktop, Zen server, you know, one of these classic Citrix products, uh, I bet you can count them on both your hands. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking at the live blog here at the timestamps. And the the first <laughs> things like twenty minute gaps in between. Yeah, so the first the first thing that we get to is uh, nine forty one forty one minutes in we get this term software defined perimeter and I'll get to I actually like the term identity defined perimeter um, for that uh, we'll, I'll get to that in a minute but the first announcement that we got was something called Citrix Workspace Service. Yeah, this was. Um so interesting. We didn't. There, there were no really real press briefings or anything ahead of time. So all this stuff kind of hit us new. Uh, what was your takeaway from Workspace Service? So Workspace Service. So Workspace. They, they service, needed another thing with Workspace in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, believe me, I gave my feedback on uh, how terrible I think the name is. <laughs> they also used the. Um, at one point, I heard somebody refer to it as Storefront Plus Plus. Also, I have since learned that the internal code name was Project Front Door. Uh, but what Workspace is, it's uh, like an identity management single sign-on portal. It's the end user facing place where the users to go, go and get all your apps and your data. So it's imagine uh, like a modern web portal. And of course, everybody hates the term portal for some reason, but really that's, that's what it is. And you have like ShareFile is in there, so you can get access to your, to your documents. You can get access to desktops in there, and you can uh, get access, get single sign-on access to SaaS apps because, of course, you know the Salesforces and Workdays and everything. Um, so they they show this demo, and I actually spent I spent well the entire rest of the week figuring out what the identity management component underneath that that was powering that single sign-on because. As you know, as especially VMware and Microsoft, their identity management and single sign-on for web apps, their stories around that have been getting stronger and stronger and stronger for years. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, for the, those last few years, Citrix was, you know, non-existent. Yeah, like Netscaler has some has some federation capabilities, and obviously, there's a lot of plumbing in there that Netscaler has to do, do and mm -hmm. and dealing with identity in all of these scenarios. Um, but the big like, do identity federation into all these web apps that you are using now, Citrix was very absent from that conversation. Mm -hmm. So this. Citrix workspace service was the first time we saw it. But I was really wondering what was underneath it because they used the term BYO identity at one time. So I didn't know, like, was this somehow powered by Azure AD? Do you use some sort of other cloud-based identity provider like an Okta or a Ping or whatever you want? Did you get to the bottom of it? Uh, kind of. So I'll, I'll get to that. And I guess. Um, you know, the week before Synergy, we actually published a blog post by Gunnar Berger, um, an introduction to identity concepts. Mm -hmm. And of course, Gunnar works at Citrix, but this blog post, um, he what he brought it to your attention, and then you showed it to me, and I'm like, this is the blog post that yeah. everybody needs to read. So the, kind of the nexus of that was, and I and I, I talked to Gunnar here at the show. Um, he was. Uh, 
you know, he, he's, he's caught wind that this is kind of the direction that Citrix is going to. And, and you know, in the position that he's in, he's just, you know, he, he, he's tasked with exploring certain areas. And so he sees this stuff happening and decides to educate himself on this new direction that Citrix is going to kind of build up his own background of information. And as he was doing that, he, he said, as I was taking notes, I looked at them and I realized that all I had to do was add a few, you know, sentence completion words in there. And I had a blog post. And so that's when he, you know, let us know uh, that he had this thing. And, and it, since it was, you know, we'll, we'll take content, you know, from people that were for vendors, as long as it has nothing to do with the vendors uh, themselves. And so this was really just Gunner's education at, on all of this stuff as he was starting to delve into it, which is perfect for most of our audience that, you know, is aware of this stuff happening, but really needs the primer to, to get moving with it. So, yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was a good... So if uh, if SAML and identity provider are new terms for you, um, you know obviously VMware and and Microsoft have been talking about them a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but since Citrix hasn't, I imagine for for a lot of people those could still be new terms. So yeah. definitely go and read that blog post. So basically, what I was wondering, so the, this workspace service as they, they were showing single sign-on into, uh, they showed it into Salesforce in their example. I was wondering what was powering it because as I mentioned before, they use this BYO identity term and mm -hmm. such. And so it turns out that the single sign-on that they showed there at least was all just part of underlying uh, Citrix Cloud functionality. Obviously, as various components of Netscaler have come to the cloud, and Netscaler always had some federation capabilities, well, now that just the, you know, you can imagine it's more architected as a bunch of services. So they just take whatever federation services that are part of Citrix Cloud and, and wire it in other underneath this Citrix workspace service. Um, now, to be clear, did you actually see this in action anywhere on the floor? Because where I'm going with this is during the keynote, this was Carol giving the keynote. Um, so his second time doing this after, you know, he replaced Mark Templeton. And my, the first thing I noticed was, this is not a demo as he's going through these things on the screen. These are PowerPoint slides slash videos or like super intricate animations of PowerPoint slides happening. Yeah. And so this was just stepping through almost a wireframe of what this looks like. So I'm curious, did you, did you actually see this on the floor or is that as much as anybody has seen? And you know, is that so, are so, we very preliminary in this? Process. I, I saw it on the floor. From what I could tell, it was working as it should. Okay. Um, you know, all the disclaimers were that it was very new, very beta. It's all in tech preview. Okay. Uh, the SKUs, of course, aren't determined yet. But the idea is that, like, if you're a Zen app or Zen desktop customer, and you're using you're using Citrix Cloud to do your management, that this workspace service should be part of it too. And then you can begin using that for your SSO into SaaS apps. Gotcha. So what the SKUs are and which additions included what is is all yet to be de determined. Makes sense. Now the big question is, I was still wondering like, is Citrix going to attempt to become a big IDAS like Azure AD or Okta or Ping uh, or VMware Identity Manager and I, I get the feeling that they don't really know yet. I, I so I, I spoke to other people around that are that are more plugged into Citrix than I am, and I asked them. I'm like, did you, did you guys get any sense of the completeness of this and what the plan is? And they all said no too, which tells me 
that there's not a lot of meat on the bones of this yet. They haven't yeah. flushed a lot of that stuff out. Does Citrix want to become an iDaz? I don't know. Like they, 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 all these other companies have years of experience now building up their iDaz platforms, and so yeah. why would Citrix decide to become another one when there's already ones out there that are perfectly good at their jobs? Um, and perhaps, up- perhaps the method that you were just talking about using what's in Citrix Cloud that already works and uh, and can work with all these other ones. Maybe they, maybe they're just an open book and they can work with everything. Yeah, yeah. So Isn't well, that kind of the point. Well, well, one one thing that some of the sure, like if you support SAML, you can support a bunch of apps. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that the IDAS providers do is they like do all the validation on all of the popular uh, thousands of popular SaaS apps. And but besides just the SAML SSO, they do uh, there are other standards that some apps support for provisioning uh, for provisioning users' accounts, like Skim S C I M is a standard. There's some provisioning that you can do on top of SAML. There are some apps that work with other newer standards, like OpenID Connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of apps that have custom provisioning APIs, and then there are all the apps that don't support any standards. So you have to like have um, a password vaulting tool that makes sure that it works with those. So, so I, those, so like the big IDAs is they have like huge teams just doing the integration with all these public SaaS apps. So this is all uphill work that Citrix would have to do if they wanted to become an IDAS yeah. too. And then what happens if you're already leveraging another IDAS? Are we getting all of our IDASs to talk together if I'm deploying Citrix's and I have stuff using AAD and maybe I'm using Okta or like, I mean, it seems like it's a one or the other kind of situation, but are they going to convince well, people to go with them? There, There is some working together that can happen because it's all using identity standards. So, mm-hmm. uh, so um, but doesn't like that one add, piece if of, you do that, doesn't that add a lot of complexity to it then? One one piece of software can act as both a, a service provider and an identity provider. So there are different ways to to talk. But here's so the, so the next thing um, that I'll get to is where it makes the difference, and that's with the Citrix analytics service. Although I, I actually want to back up and I want to I want to see what you think of this um, because so this. So we're talking about all the security and identity stuff, and probably two-thirds or three-quarters of the audience at, at Synergy was like, hey, so when are we going to talk about uh, like ZenApp? Yeah, you ever see those people with like the, uh, on TV with like the white contact lenses in that make them look like zombies or whatever? They're like blind? That, that's, that's what I feel like a lot of the audience was like. And I, yeah. I was going to get to this after the end because even the Citrix Analytics service kind of um, you know, looks cool, but like we said at the beginning of this podcast, there's, there was not a lot of discussion about ZenApps and desktop, the classic things that everybody in the house is yeah. using. Um, so like I'm like I'm super excited about the analytics service and the the um, well as they call it, the software defined perimeter but I prefer the really it's it's um, it's this idea of contextual identity like yeah that's you, a good way to put it too because you hear software defined perimeter and you're like oh this is SDN and you know this is yeah. this is off my radar or over my head or whatever the case may be and it's not software defined networking this is this is different than that yeah yeah it's it's contextual based access based on your based on your identity and if you plug it into your emm system it could be based on like whether or not your device is enrolled and your location and mm-hmm. so the thing about the analytics service is that since it's plugged into all of the citrix products like they can see 
if you download way more stuff out of Sharefile than you usually do, and you're in an odd location at an odd time of day, and you're yeah, doing it from a jailbroken devices. Yeah. yeah, this is the demo that they showed like in the analytics service that um, all of these different suspicious activities because you the analytics- You log in five times in an hour, that's five yeah. points. You log in from a new location, that's 10 points. And you, know, you copied way more files than normal, that's 15 points. And when you get to a certain number of points, you, you know, trip a switch and now you're warning things. And they, they, they show that you can take some remediation based upon hitting certain thresholds. So say, we're gonna log off this user all the way and then keep then, monitoring them and see what happens. And so if they do it again, that's more points and more points and you build up and you know, say at 90 points, you're just like, no, nah, I'm shutting that user down, something's up. Yeah, and, and you can say when they, when they come back in, um, okay, maybe this time we challenge them for a, a multi-factor -factor, yeah. authentication. And so this is, this is stuff, um, you know, probably for about definitely a, a year, maybe two years, a lot of the identity vendors have been talking about this um, like contextual access, basically. Contextual access, conditional access, but, um, and it's super powerful, super cool stuff because not only is it good for seeing the suspicious activity, but it can also see, um, and this is like where the machine learning and the AI parts come in, is uh, learning use, nor typical user behavior, uh, mm -hmm. patterns. So if you're behaving in your typical way, maybe you don't get like challenged for as cumbersome authentication techniques yeah. as often. It's and almost using activity as a factor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like this is, this is super cool stuff and I'm all for it. Now to your question as to like what if you, so you have Citrix but you also have Okta and the question is like well, the Citrix analytics service, that can see into all of your Citrix stuff, but maybe you have some other security service that can see into your other stuff better. And so which, which one of these do you have making all of these analytical access decisions? Yeah, um, my, my big question with the Citrix analytics service is around how invested do you have to be in the Citrix platform to derive value out of this? Um, if you have to be 100% Citrix, in order to use this uh, from top to bottom, like no physical desktops, no laptops, you know, that kind of a thing. Like then, then this data is only somewhat useful or the service is only somewhat useful. And I, I asked a few people questions about this, like to what level can I, is, is how many use cases can I support with Citrix analytics service? And again, the answer is people aren't quite sure yet. I think it's the more you plug into Citrix Cloud, the better it is. So like, oh, without a doubt. Say, your, yeah. say, your, say your laptops are, it's in some future time where you've decided that your laptops can be Windows 10 because all of your apps are in, all of your Windows apps are in, uh, are virtualized. Yeah. Then, and you're managing your Windows 10 or Windows 10S laptops with, with Zen Mobile, mm -hmm. then they have that visibility and, uh, but if I'm not, if I'm still managing them in a traditional way, does that mean I just lose one angle of you know visibility into my user's activity? And so, am I just is, is the analytics service just ignoring that then, or it, 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 it's just a few? It seems like it just be that's just one part that the analytics service yeah. doesn't know as much about. But in theory, like it, like it. it it could still see user activity at other places. So it could make it, maybe sometimes it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as odd, I can't believe, it wouldn't be as automagic 
Is that, is that the word that like? Wow, it wouldn't you, do as crossed the line to a marketing uh, guy. Oh no, no, no! Like it, it wouldn't do as much. <laughs> it wouldn't do as I get you as much yeah. cool stuff when making all those access decisions. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, like having having at least some sort of smarts behind your access yeah. uh, identity and access system, like some is way better than what most people are doing right now, which is nothing. That's probably true. I just don't want to get into a situation where people are overconfident and they have their front covered, but they've exposed their flank. You know, yeah. and that's yeah. the kind of thing. But and so, but maybe this is the model that they're going for now. They talked about security a lot in this podcast or in the in the keynotes. Um, the uh, the and so perhaps this is a thing where they get people excited about Citrix Analytics service. They say, look at all the stuff you can do with your existing. Uh, Telemetry, you know the, the existing metrics that you have for everything, and they talked about how we have 28 years of experience building this up, so they can see and watch all sorts of different things uh, going on between layers four through seven. I think is what they said, and they um, can take anonymized customer data from the entire customer base. Mm-hmm. And but so and and so you can use this with what you have currently and get some value out of that. But then you know, hey, if you also move to this and that and the other thing. Uh, now look at how much more coverage you can get with this analytical insight and, and that, and so that that may be a selling tool eventually for them. And so, and that 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 could be with as much as they talked about security this week, uh, that could be the direction that Citrix is trying to go. Yeah, and uh, they also talked. Of course, they talked about a whole bunch about Netscaler in the last forty-five minutes of the second keynote. And Which uh, I think they did that last year too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my question going into them was, if I'm doing this secure analytics service, does that mean that I have to like buy Netscaler? And they said that basically, so like the analytics service and the workspace service, aka Storefront Plus Plus, aka Project Front Door. Storefront Plus Plus. Did you just come up with that on the fly, or did you no. find it out later, or did no. you like? It's in the article as if you came up with it at nine forty one on Tuesday morning. No, I. So it's in the it's in the article under quotes. That's a quote from uh, Kirill said that. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so when when he was like turned around looking at that demo. Okay. Um, that that was the term that he, that he used. So so basically, of course, like Netscaler doing tons of stuff and all types all types of networking things. Um, but my question was like, what I was wondering is, does the analytic service and the workspace stuff mean that we have to become Netscaler and networking people and the like? While it does take advantage of Netscaler bits that are in. Uh, Citrix Cloud, it will just be like the federation stuff. It'll be packaged up as parts of the of Citrix workspace. So the 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 answer for for you and I and a lot of people that aren't you know quote Netscaler people is that we, I think we can continue being that way. Yeah, and 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 this is just an overall trend. It's not just amongst Citrix shops, but um, you know that. The, the desktop application mobility security and networking teams are all working closer together than ever yeah so you don't it's not that you're gonna have to expand your skill set if you're a Zen desktop admin but you know you're you're gonna have new lines of communication open with the other departments that would be responsible for this kind of thing yeah so we're like what are we 20 minutes in and we still haven't talked about anything about 
uh, Zen app and Zen desktop, we, let alone Zen mobile. We actually passed the part where they mentioned Zen app and Zen desktop uh, in the keynotes. That was during the Citrix workspace service part. Uh, Kirill at one point said, if you're running Zen desktop or Zen app 6.5, it's time to go to 7.4. That may have been the only reference to Zen Desktop and Zen App in the entire time was the demand that you upgrade to 7. Uh, 7. 7.14. Yeah. yeah. So um, so just this last week, uh, you wrote about the VDI like a pro survey. Did they have a, um, did they have a question on what version customers are on? Uh, I can look it up. I, I didn't. I, I don't have that number at the top of my head, but I, I will certainly pull that up as we're as we're talking about this. Um, this survey, by the way, is a freaking gold mine on stuff like this because and and, and honestly, I, so I did look through it and I it, I went into this. There are so many things. I don't know. Now is probably not the best time to bring all this stuff up, but like this is my my overall sense of this show was I did not expect to see cloud security and that's about it during the keynotes. What I expected to see was a focus on attacking VMware where Citrix has an advantage. Well, and, we we did burn the we did burn them really hard on that last year when they were demo, demonstrating uh, support for Cortana. I I burned them on the is frivolity a word? Like it was such a frivolous thing that they were that they were burning VMware on. But they I, so they demoed four things. I don't remember what they all were. Two of them were legitimate advantages that they had. And two of them were ridiculous. Uh, one of them being Cortana, and the other one I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah. So, so I think that, like going into this keynote, um, and I don't, what, I don't think that they use my idiot tweets to, to get <laughs> yeah, the entire yeah. direction it's of like, a five-hour keynote series. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that. Uh, I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> but uh, you know, going going into this keynote. Um, You've said many times before that VMware with Horizon has the easiest job. They just need to go down and look at all the list of features that ZenApp and Zen Desktop has and start uh, start checking them off. Yeah, they and had so, one product roadmap to meeting like five years ago, and yeah. they haven't had to have another one since. Yeah. So going into this keynote, we were a lot of people were expecting to see maybe head-to-head uh, -head, uh, Skype for Business comparison. Mm -hmm. Or maybe a comparison, like a good old-fashioned protocol comparison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and be, for multiple reasons. I mean, so one, the Skype for Business support from VMware is new, and Citrix could, Citrix has been doing it for a long time and has put a lot of development effort into not only supporting it from a protocol standpoint, but integrating it into other into your organization. And so they could have taken the opportunity to demonstrate their capabilities, not even comparing it against VMware but to demonstrate everything that their Skype for Business implementation can do and then challenge VMware to put their money where their mouth is. Yeah, Even if it yeah. wasn't a comparison, you know, like they, could have, they could have at least set the bar. Um, and the other thing with the protocols, VMware's pushing hard on Blast Extreme and they're saying that it beats HDX. Uh, they're also saying it beats PC over IP, so that's, that's fun that there's some infighting there over yeah. that. But, um, but they're saying that it, in, in certain ways it can beat HDX. And that's what they're saying and the anecdotal evidence that I've heard uh, there there has yet to be any like actual published independent comparisons of them though that should be happening in the next few months um, the anecdotal evidence though points to the fact that it's not it, it's not better than HDX is what I've heard I'm not saying that authoritatively but the, it just that that's what I've heard so far is that HDX still 
is king in you know compared to Blast Extreme. I'm sure that there are certain situations where Blast Extreme excels and 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 and, and whatnot. But but this was an opportunity for Citrix to again, if not do a direct comparison, to set the bar and get VMware to step up to the plate and try to do a face-off, and, and it didn't happen. And that, that would have gotten a lot of people in that keynote room, for as cool as software-defined perimeter is, and for people like me, who's a mobility, and I was called an identity guy this week, so I guess I'm an identity guy now. <laughs> as, as much as I liked that, I'm sure a heck of a lot more people would have been more excited by seeing something like, like that in a keynote. And that's just it. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement in there. In fact, the most exciting moment of the keynote was very fleeting. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> was. So, <laughs> so it's... <laughs> so The moment, I, I, I can feel like the, you know that feeling like when you're like, you're, you just like feel it like in your shoulders and like, this, I'm excited now. Here's, okay, so I, I, have an, I have a good analogy for this. Um, but <laughs> let's explain the situation first. So, so during was it the first? The it was, it was the first keynote. Okay. Yeah. So during during the first keynote, uh, they start talking about the relationship with Microsoft and how great it is. And they say, and we're very proud or happy to have Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, join us via video. And 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 so when he says join us, we're like ooh. And then via video, we're like ah okay. But then but but, but they but that's because earlier in the keynote. They had the customer from the for Red Bull Formula One racing team. They had that person live from Monaco. Oh, right. Yeah, live from Monaco. On the live link. So we already saw, like... We can do live video. And so we really thought... We, we, we thought Satya was going to be, like, sitting in his office in Redmond. Be like, hey, Carol, how's it going? And so immediately, <laughs> so yeah, everybody gets excited. And then it's a pre-recorded video from Satya. And so the feeling that I had, it took a few days to figure this out, the feeling that I had was like riding all the way up to the top of a 400 foot roller coaster. Click, 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 right? But you get up there and you ride up to the top and then all of a sudden it just rolls back down. <laughs> not, yeah. not goes over the top, like, <gasps> oh. <laughs> and the whole room, it was, it, was, it was a tangible feeling. Like you could, the entire room was excited about this. Like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's gonna address us. We're not worthy of this. And then, like, oh, it's a pre-recorded. And I think that's emblematic. So, I was wondering, like, okay, so what are the next steps of the Microsoft partnership gonna be? Because we knew that I'd seen it as of a few weeks ago that uh, that Brad Anderson was returning to the stage again. So I thought, like, okay, more new components, more new steps. But Brad came on in the afternoon noon keynote, and he demoed almost all of the stuff that they talked about last year, which, you know, kudos good to for them. them. Yeah. For it's, been, it's been a good year. And I've made like, many articles knocking yeah. VMware and Citrix for not delivering on the things they promised last year. So yeah, yeah. by all means, it's excellent. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, today isn't really the time to get into the um, combining Intune with, uh, with Zen Mobile. I've, we've written about that enough. And yeah. we'll, now the next step is to really see just how people like using the two together. But he demoed all that, and that was great. And other than that, there wasn't really anything new, except for, okay, so the one new partnership thing that I saw was, where was it? The Secure Browser Essentials for Azure. So that, like, and, and I think- Secure Browser for Azure, like Secure Browser service that they had, right? And then now it just works on Azure too? Is there anything beyond that? As, as far as I know, I 
couldn't even find a blog post about it. And <laughs> the the briefings that I had, um, we we didn't get into it. Which I actually think, like Secure Browser, we uh, you wrote an article about it, mm -hmm. one or two, and we had Joe Harder did uh, a deep dive. Um, just a week or two ago, right? just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Which can we can we stop to give a shout out to um, really Joe, but all of our great uh, yeah, <laughs> um, Mike, Teresa, Anton, Tim, all of our freelance posters that mm -hmm. we've been having. Yeah, it's perfect. They can go so Joe, much Mike. deeper than we can on stuff nowadays. Okay, I think I think I think I think I got them all. Yeah, um, and so, Gunner with his high level. Post. Yeah, we already yeah. we already gave Gunner the shout out. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so I actually think just from the the standpoint of there are obviously various reasons to use it, but for me it's the providing secure access to uh, to SaaS apps and wrapping DLP around SaaS apps. Like of mm -hmm. course a lot of people are thinking about it, using it to get uh, internal web apps and giving access to them outside of the firewall. But also as a way to wrap DLP around SaaS apps, mm -hmm. like especially if once Citrix gets all their their SAML components and really becomes an IDAS, if they're an IDAS and they can also say like, by the way, we also have a secure browser per service that wraps DLP copy mm -hmm. paste protection, and it was watermarks, a great demo too. yeah, whatever, wrap that around your Salesforce or whatever for when someone's doing a BYOD access. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's a super compelling story, not just to the like Citrix and desktop virtualization market, but to anybody that want, anybody that's doing IDA, anybody that's doing lots of SaaS. Yeah, it's funny because now it's, it's back to a security play again. That was a pitch that we used to give 20 years ago was, you know, hey, this is more secure because it's not actually touching the endpoint. And now there's actually stuff in between the endpoint and you know the, the remote server that can actually enforce all of these things that you're talking about. Um, so before we used to sell it like that anyway, even though we couldn't actually add any DLP into it. Uh, but now it's actually there and it's, 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 it's really cool. You're absolutely right. And this is part of the whole Citrix security story. I think that's why you know, they spent some time on that. And it, it made, that's why it made it into the tech keynote, even though there wasn't a whole lot of presence for it. Uh, out there on the floor, and that there's not a whole lot of information that we found it. Like they felt like it was very important, so that's why it was in there. So, um, do you want so, your data? By the way, I have I have the data on uh, versions of ZenApp out there. Oh yeah, let's hear it. Uh, so, of uh, the, the 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 question that was asked was which SBC broker solution is currently deployed. So this is only ZenApp. Uh, ZenApp seven six or newer is forty three percent of the respondents. So six hundred respondents. Give or take. Okay, so um, that's forty-three percent. Yeah, or seven six or newer. Um, Zenap six dot x or older is nineteen and a half percent. There's eight and a half. So there, there, there's eight percent or so on Zenap seven to seven five. So let's, let's call it fifty percent on Zenap seven dot x and 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 almost twenty percent on Zenap six five. Uh, they did not ask who's still running Presentation Server four five, but I guarantee you that there's a there's a fair amount of them that were. They were still doing that too. So, so that twenty percent on on six point five. That's like a, a few conversations I had. Like people made it seem like the the sky is falling of people not upgrading. Oh yeah, I mean it's that that's still a pretty significant a amount. Yeah, um, and and uh, the the other thing that's interesting here is uh, when Microsoft RDS just straight up RDS is six point six percent. Horizon View seven, so Horizon Apps is six point two. So Horizon Apps is uh, is it's smaller than I'd think, actually. 
Um, Workspot makes the list. RDS 2008 makes the list. Uh, there's uh, No Broker Direct Connections makes the list. So wow. there's, yeah, there's a lot going on here. But um, but yeah, still the Zen app 7.6 is by far the winner, but still 6.5, huge presence out there. And that's, but I, and I think, and that's why we saw the command to like, okay, if you're on 6.5, you have to move to 7.14 because uh, that's how you're going to get access to all these new features from from Citrix that they were talking about today. Like the, you mean the analytics and, and cloud stuff? Or, yeah, all that stuff. And the, the workspace? Yep. So anything um, anything that has stuck out to you in ZenApp and Zen Desktop, I know they're doing pretty frequent releases of all those products now, so kind of the new features, like you know, one interesting feature comes along every month or two, and so there's no more there's no more like big list of new features announced at, at at Synergy. Yeah. But is there anything in there recently that's not nothing's crossed my desk that I've been like, holy shit, they added yeah. this thing. Um what you know, it's funny to me, if you look at um we're we're asked time from time to time to come up with like competitive differences between Citrix and VMware. And all of the major, major things are pretty much even. It's only down in the very nitty gritty, random kind of little features here and there where there's where the differences start to come up. And so, you know, there might be like, well, we support printing in a different way than these guys support printing, that kind of a thing. But for the most part, it's ticky tack. Like now we're not even to the like, it, this is fine for 80%. This is fine, like stock, both of them are fine for 99% of all the users out there, I, I would yeah. say for the most part. Um, so I, I have nothing. And the fact that they weren't talking about any features of Zen App or Zen Desktop that were out this time around, kind of bolsters that. Like, I don't think I've missed anything. <laughs> um, I'm not saying there haven't been things that have, that aren't valuable to people, but in terms of like big things, it's just not there. In fact, part of this whole discussion that uh, part of the discussions that I've had with people over the, the over the week was just that you know VDI in general, desktop virtualization in general is kind of flat. Like we all the big games we've already we've already done that you know it's not we're we're to the top of the tree now we're not we're, it's not there's no low hanging fruit we've got all the middle stuff too well so and sorry if this derails the point that you were getting to it might there's there's a conversation and this is the conversation that we've been having well for as long as I've written for brianmadden.com that hey once all of our endpoints are are non traditional windows desktops then we'll want to virtualize a lot more applications mm -hmm. and now that Windows 10 and Windows 10s are moving Windows more in that direction, you know, if you look at oh, we're ready for it. That's yeah. my point. Like if you <laughs> if you look if you look at all of the um, so many of the features that forget about Windows 10s for a second, but in Windows 10 itself, mm -hmm. uh, like they're all it, they're all mobile features, and then 10s takes it even more. And once we get Windows 10 mm -hmm. on Qualcomm, ooh, they demonstrated Citrix Receiver working on Windows 10s, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good for them. That should have been there. That that was the least surprising announcement of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're right, and and so the world is setting up for that that inverse bell curve of terminal server adoption. I think yeah. was the article title from 2010. I, I still use that slide. It's 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 got to be Brian's legacy right there, like that mm. one, because that one's going to pay off for the next 10 years. I think it's I think it's time to uh, to revisit that article, or we'll reuse that slide, and and we can write about our our opinions about how um, where we are on like the, it, like it, it's time. Yeah, where where we are on the chart. Um, yes, basically, my point is we're ready for that now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there'd be little use cases that we pick up here and there, but that's um, the, the, by and large, 
you know, it's all there, it's all ready, it's all waiting. And people, people and, clearly still love, you know, application. Yeah. Remoting. And it, and it's gonna it's gonna be a while before um, it's gonna be a couple of years before managing Windows 10 with MDM um, gets mainstream. But everywhere, everyone I talk to, people are at least they're they're thinking about it, they're asking mm-hmm. about it, they're wondering about it. Um, so, have you gotten any sense? This is not really appropriate for this podcast, but have you gotten any sense about any enterprise roadmap direction for 10s for Windows 10s? Because right now it's just, they're talking about Chromebook replacement, cheap devices, things like that, and so um, I, and education, education. We can only assume that. I mean, it it, it, it it's got to be. It's a big enough market. It, if it was just consumers, I would say I don't even know why they're doing this. If they're going to include education in that, which I think they are, if they're gunning for Chromebooks, I think well, that yeah, that's a be, big enough market that Windows 10s can just exist in that niche forever and be fine. Yeah, um, and, and if they I, have enterprise play, that might be interesting. Well, and the the event where they revealed Windows 10s had a very strong education component. They mm-hmm. were like framing all the right, yeah. all the vignettes in, in education and everything. Yeah. So other things, so that's Windows 10s. Other things from the show floor, uh, or or the show. One of the cool things. So Ron Oglesby on stage at the keynote. Yeah. How about that? Looks super weird without a beer. Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> that when you talk to Ron. Though, so I saw him shortly after that, and I'm like, you look weird without a beer. And he goes, yeah, everybody keeps saying that to me. And, I, and, and somebody else walked up at the same time. They're like, do you have a beer? He goes, oh, hell yeah, I had a beer. And I'm like, ah, did he really have a beer? And <laughs> they wouldn't let me bring it out. Um, so Ron, <laughs> Ron is a guy, I believe it was Ron. So you, uh, Ron was on stage at the very first Bry Form in 2005 in Washington, D.C. And uh, he was on stage last session of the day th- saying, I really wish I had a beer. And all of a sudden, Jeroen Vandekamp, like six foot seven tall guy, just stands up and runs out of the theater. It was in a movie theater. So he runs out of the movie theater. And he comes back like 10 minutes later with a six-pack of Heineken and hands it to Ron on stage. <laughs> and so from that moment on, I've seen that dude presenting with a beer in his hand. Uh, <laughs> so first time ever to see him without one. Um, but yeah, Ron Oglesby on stage at a Citrix Synergy keynote. Pretty crazy. Of course, he's there by way of the Unidesk. Uh, acquisition, and so he was there showing off a little bit of Unidesk. His he 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 had a much larger demo uh, planned, but they had to truncate it because they were so they, already running over on time. So they could talk more about how how great the cloud is, or how, how great the relationship with Microsoft is, or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that that that's all probably worth digging into. You know what you know what I want to do for the Unidesk stuff. I want to now it's called Citrix app layering. Um, the dust has yet to settle from that, and so once once everything settles out, I'd like to sit down with Ron and get a big picture, you know, conversation. Maybe we have him on the podcast and we can talk about stuff. Um, and then I kind of, whenever they're ready, I'd like to hear what the roadmap is for that because there's been things like provisioning or cr- creating images that we can then deliver to physical desktops. There's been rumors that, not even rumors, that Unidesk has stated that they've been working on that for a couple of years now and allegedly they're going to they're going to continue down that path uh but it hasn't come to fruition yet so i'd like to find out you know if, if citrix is going to do if you have unidesk now and you can do image management with unidesk uh which is what you have to do in order to get the application management part of it uh if i can do that for my vdi that's great like we already know i can do that for vdi and spc and now stuff running in azure um, but that still means I have two different ways of managing images and managing Windows. But if I can also use this to deploy 
my physical desktop images and then therefore applications and user workspaces and things like that, that means now I can have one way of managing every single desktop uh, in, in, in my environment. What's interesting though is this is image management. And so we're, we're, we're managing images and then we still, have to, we still have to manage the Windows OS, I guess. And so um, maybe Citrix is going, maybe they can become, once they add in the uh, unified endpoint management, now we've got image management, unified endpoint management, we've got the analytics service, uh, workspace, all that stuff, we can put it all together. And Citrix really is just a one-stop shop for your entire organization. Um, that said, at the moment that Ron got on stage, Harry Labana from VMware on the App Volumes team is saying that la layers are legacy, and you know they've got their own plan for things. And they do have a plan. I, I, I spoke with Harry a little bit afterwards because I kind of called him out on what a you know move that was to start flaming Ron without before he even said a word. Um, and uh, so I mean they do have plans and stuff, and I see where they're going, but like. I don't know. I, I think that I think that Citrix has a plan for Unidesk that does not just involve building up layers and composing them together. I think that uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that Unidesk can do that can kind of fit into this future vision. What's really interesting though is just that they didn't talk about that stuff that much. I mean, as big of an a big of a deal as Unidesk was, Ron was on stage for four minutes, right? Like, so, uh, do you think all this? Uh security talk was to uh, make them you know more attractive for private equity to help take them private or something like that yes i've had a few conversations with people just over the last few weeks not even about citrix necessarily but just you know with companies that are going out and trying to get venture money and uh basically if your message that you're taking you know your business plan that you're taking to the investors is perpetual license on premises they don't want anything to do with you they want cloud, they want security, they want subscription licenses. And that's the hottest way, the easiest way to get funding, you know, if you're a startup today. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, that, that that's a very different process from then trying to like have a $4 billion company and find a buyer for them. But the fact of the matter is, is that investors want to see this modern stuff. And so, yeah, we make a lot of money on Zen Desktop and Zen App is not the sexiest message to sell your company on. Well, I, I wonder if the investors, uh, maybe the, the investors just need to read our inverse bell curve article <laughs> and they'll be like, ooh. Yeah, maybe. But, but so, and so that's the thing. So Citrix right now is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They've got all these existing customers and everybody, make no mistake, everybody in, that keynote, in those keynotes, everybody at Synergy has some element of Zen Desktop or Zen App in their organization. And whether or not they felt ignored, I don't know. I mean, they definitely weren't addressed that much in the keynotes, but there were other sessions. So I'm sure that, you know, that everybody left here happy. Um, but the dog and pony show that are the keynotes made very little mention of that. And there's a reason for that. Um, and so I'm sure that this is Citrix positioning themselves and saying, we're going down this path. Anybody that wants to follow us, you know, let us know. And anybody that wants to, you know, just we're, we're already going down there. If anybody wants to buy us and like capture our momentum and we'll help carry you that way as well. Uh, I, I think it served a dual purpose there. Um, who those buyers would be, I don't know. People keep saying Cisco and Microsoft. Those are the same two mm -hmm. people that have been in there forever. Um, it's not even worth getting into. Whoever gets them, gets them. Um, it's, uh, private equity is also an option. And so, you know, a, a, a Citrix take private could, could feasibly happen. Um, but the, 
the billion dollar take private, the over a billion dollar take private is a, that's a complex maneuver. And uh, it, it doesn't happen very often. So, I mean, we saw it with, you know, Dell, EMC and, and all of that, but uh, it's not, it's not the most common thing. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, were... though, Citrix is, has a direction. They're just going to keep going in that direction. And because that's the direction that's the most appealing in this day and age. Yeah, and uh, we should also add that there weren't really, there weren't any new big rumors reported, nothing in Bloomberg this week like there were a few weeks ago. So <laughs> right. this is just continually riding speculation off of um, whatever the, the first set of rumors from a couple of weeks ago were. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, normally in every one of these shows, Citrix makes an announcement, I go, whoa, that's a big deal. And I type that into whatever platform I happen to be typing into at that moment. Um, that didn't happen this time. So the, you know, la last year we talked about um, ZenApp and Zen Desktop Essentials. We didn't have a name for them then. We talked about how Microsoft is going to open up licensing for Windows 10 and Azure multi-tenancy yeah. and all that stuff. Um, they had Brad on stage and, you know, that, so we, that was we, huge. Yeah, we came, we, we had lots of, this is a big deal kind of, you know, things from last year and they delivered on all of them this year, but they didn't tee anything else up for next year. Yeah. And except so for get, maybe whatever, you know, if they do decide to go as far as like becoming a full IDAS, mm -hmm. Um, and the but analytics. that's but it, yeah. but like we were saying earlier, from the sound of it, they just don't know whether it's going to go that direction. Like so, what I saw so far of the of the Citrix workspace and the analytics and the federation, like yeah, absolutely, it makes a hundred percent. It makes uh, a lot of sense for them to be doing that, and like there are there, those are cool product directions that make a lot of sense and will really mean a lot for a lot of customers once they get to that point. But it's not, it's not as, like if they had come out and said, hey, we're an IDAS now and we're competing with Okta, that would have been, that would have been huge. Mm -hmm. But instead we have these, these first tentative steps and we'll know more what it, the picture looks like three, six, 12 months from now. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're kind of winding down here. Yeah. Um, any is there anything that stuck out? To, so we, you know, we, we had the best of synergy awards that we participate in, as, as you know, on the panel of you know deliberations and all of that stuff. And so we got to speak to a lot of vendors. Um, there were and, and and many others that weren't even in consideration for that. You know, there was there was fifty four vendors in the in the expo hall. Of course, we didn't have a chance to talk to all of them. The expo hall had weird hours this year. It wasn't open for as long as you'd think. Um, but did any any anybody that you ran into stick out at all? A few vendors re doing various things related to identity and authentication. Just why uh, you're the identity guy now? Yeah, yeah. So I, your I, first thing you said was identity. Like, yeah, I I see those and I'm like, oh, those those are cool. Um, and also, I spent some time uh, spent some time talking to Samsung and, of course, uh, Knox is doing great these days in both like people like us use cases and embedded and, you know, kiosk device use cases. Were they busy? Every time I walked by their booth, there didn't seem to be a ton of people in there. Huh. I, it was, it was, I don't know. I wasn't in that direction too much. Oh, okay. Um, but of course, they're also showing out the, showing off the Galaxy S8 with the, the desk dock with the, the Nirvana phone thing. It could have just been the wrong times for me too. So yeah, they were kind of off and, in the corner, so. And so uh, I don't, I don't want to get into all of it because I wrote a bunch about it on the, uh, when I wrote about the HP Elite X3, which also does the dock and turn into a phone thing. That's fine. People, Bottom line is, that article up. 
there are a lot of people that get really excited about the concept and I see it as pretty limited because you're not going to be going, you know, by the time you carry around a keyboard and a, and a mouse and a dock with you, you might as well carry around a laptop instead. Yeah. Laptops are tiny these I, days. Honestly, your laptop is your handy container that contains your mouse and keyboard. And it yeah. just also happens to have a screen and a processor yeah. in it that, you know, might as well just use that. Yeah, yeah. that's where so, I'm on all that. So I was asking about, and, and they're like, well, sure, like if you're completely mobile like that, it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, was, I was glad that they admitted that. Um, and, but they said, think about it opportunistically. Like if you're on a campus where you know that the docs are gonna be there, and of course, like if you're a shift worker that you, you're mobile all day and then you go back to your base station mm-hmm. and write out your end of day report, like that's great. And um, since I'm sure it's, there's use cases. Yeah, and since it's Samsung, uh, it's actually a popular phone. And since it's Android, it actually has apps. And I saw they've done some work to make the browser so that it actually works smoothly with desktop sites. So um, I'm hoping to get my hands on one soon. And so anyway, I don't want to. I, I don't want to spend too I'm much more time battery on that. meter here. Going, we're yeah. spending an awful lot of time talking about a Nirvana phone. I only got one bar left on the recorder. Um, so the uh, the thing that stuck out for me was the uh, uh, Bit Defender with the um, hypervisor introspection. I think is what the. the oh yeah, is. that's cool. Um, and so this was is what we were saying that the idea is that like malware inside the the guest OS can do things to try to hide itself. Yeah, exactly. And so this uh, the, the this is a virtual machine running on the hypervisor, so a virtual appliance running uh, on top of the same hypervisor as all your guest OSs, but that um, Zen Desktop has opened up an API that allows uh, security companies or antivirus companies to look at the memory across the board, across all of guest OSs, they look at the actual physical memory on the, from the hypervisor itself or on the hardware itself. And so they can see if there's anything happening, any anomalies in memory operations at the hypervisor level outside of the guest OSs. And so they can identify strange trends that are going on uh, and, and notify. And, and, and they can actually even crack open that VM because they, they also, Bitdefender is an antivirus, any malware company. And so they, if you also have the Bitdefender stuff running inside your VMs, they can talk to that and tell it to squash whatever process is, you know, doing that or, and, and, you know, do whatever the AV voodoo is that they do. Um, and so this thing being out of band and watching the physical memory itself uh, seems really cool to me. And the fact that it's, um, you know, they, they had to work with Zen Server. This is a Zen Server feature right now. And uh, Will it be a, uh, will it support VMware ever? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it, it possibly could. And maybe there's other stuff that already supports VMware. Um, I just, I, I saw it, thought it was notable. Um, they were, it came, they, they came up through the, the best of VMworld. Uh, nominations, and I think they even mentioned it in the Best keynote. of Synergy. <laughs> I was so afraid of doing that <laughs> during the, as I was, I, I, these awards today, I had to do so much reading and said Best of Synergy it's so like many you were times. waiting for me to say it. But we, we've worked on the Best of VMworld awards going back years. More than so, we have, yeah. And this is only the third time we've done Best of Synergy. Boy, would I have been mortified with <laughs> Tim Minahan right there. <laughs> Wow, well, good, <laughs> good job for not doing it. Um, 
Yeah, so so that was really interesting to me. But yeah, uh, it's like hearing you describe it, and um, when we were looking at it during uh, during all the awards stuff, like super cool. Yeah. Um, since we mentioned the awards, uh, Extra Hop Addy won Best of Show, and I wrote about Extra Hop Addy a few months ago, so we can, you know, we'll conserve battery here and just uh, and, and direct you back to that. But uh, Extra Hop, we know they do wire data, uh, and so they have network appliances that you put into your organization. Uh, but those only have so much horsepower on them. Any of the resources there on those devices are made for getting packets in, inspected, and out as fast as humanly possible, or fast as machinely possible. Um, yeah, you like that. Um, so, but they capture, they, they break their data up that they collect in a bunch of different ways. And so one of, one of the ways that they do it is this kind of like abstract metadata that's anonymized and they can actually get a lot of stuff out of it. It's basically perfectly made for machine learning to then consume and identify, you know, to add into the, uh, they call it the corpus, you know, the, 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 the brain, the collection of all the information that they have. Uh, and so that, that metadata is much smaller than all of the packet data. And they so they upload that to the cloud, and then they can identify trends um, from multiple data points that maybe you would have to do manually if you were looking at all the reports. Uh, they can identify them automatically. Um, future versions of that are going to have they're going to incorporate anonymized data from all of the collection points from all of their customers, and then they can identify things at a much broader level. Um, again, cloud power, elastic, uh, lots of lots of possibilities there. And uh, I like Extra Hop a lot, and so they were they were they were a worthy best in show winner. So Extra Hop Addy, you can search for that on brymed.com and find out our article on that. So the the last thing that I'll say then is this AI and machine learning well, I get stuff. Two, you get two? No. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this AI and machine learning stuff. Um, we've each written a couple of articles about it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think it's like way out there, future gobbledygook hype. I mean, it seems like this is going to re result in some really cool projects. So um, everybody has it, and like, yeah. and so it's funny. The antivirus vendors say that they have AI now, and they're using machine learning. And and I, I mentioned this to Simon Crosby one time, and he goes, "The bad guys have the same AI, maybe even better." And so now it's like an AI battle. So you're not going to hear less. Like it, you're going to hear more and more and more about how sophisticated our AI is versus the other one. It, so, so my, my recommendation would be, and I'm going to write an article about this, but if you just look, um, there are all sorts of like AI toys, for lack of a better term, where you can um, you know, just play little games and draw things and type things and guess things or make the mm -hmm. AI guess things. Um, there are a bunch of cool experiments out there. Um, so I'll just... You'll write about it? Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's good to play with so that you can be having your mind like how AI does its thing. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. That's that. Uh, uh, I have nothing else. Do you have anything else? No, that was it. So that was uh, Citrix Synergy 2017. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, I don't even know what number of podcasts this is. Uh, we're going to put this up over Memorial Day weekend, so you listen to it when you listen to it. So right now it's Thursday, May something, 2017. We'll try to get it up, I don't know, maybe tomorrow morning before I get on the plane or sometime or another. Sounds good. I'm on my way to E2EVC, so I'm going to hang out here for a couple more days. I haven't been to an E2EVC the last time I was at this event. It was called Pub Forum. Uh, it was 2007 in uh, Lisbon. So, and what's funny, when I landed in Lisbon, I looked around and said, this is like European Orlando. And now I'm going to, the very next one I went to was American Orlando. You're, you're going to American Lisbon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Well, 
Maybe I'll have some more cool stuff to report back from there. I'm excited to attend a conference in shorts and a t-shirt, though, because I am an attendee at this point. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, this was fun. Yeah. All right.